Daniel chapter number 5. And uh, let's just go there for a few moments. Daniel chapter number 5. Daniel chapter number 5. Are you ready for the word today? Daniel chapter number 5, beginning with verse number 1. Belshazzar, the, the king, made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in the presence of a thousand. While he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and the silver vessels which his father, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple which had been in Jerusalem that the king and his lords, his wives, concubines might drink from them. Then they brought the golden vessels which had been taken from the temple of the house of God which had been in Jerusalem, and the king and the lords and his wives and the concubines all drank from them. They drank wine and they praised the gods of gold and silver and bronze, iron, wood, and stone. In the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and rode opposite of the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. The king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance changed. His thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his hips were loosened and his knees knocked against each other. How many knows this, this, this man is really feeling nauseated right now? <laughs> Verse number 7, The king cried aloud to bring the astrologers, Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. And the king spoke, saying to the wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this writing and tells me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck, and he shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Now all the king's wise men came, but they could not read the writing or make, known to the, of, or make known to the king its interpretation. And King Belshazzar was greatly troubled. His countenance was changed. His lords were astonished. Then the queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came to the banquet hall. The queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you any longer, nor let your countenance change. For there is a man in your kingdom in whom there is the spirit of the holy God. And in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, the father of the, the, father of the king, made him the chief musician, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers, insomuch he has an excellent spirit, knowledge and understanding, for he is known to interpret dreams and solve riddles. His name is Daniel. Let Daniel be called so that he may give the interpretation. Amen. Today I just want to preach on the thought, the party is over. Look to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, the party is over. Come on, look to your neighbor and say, the party is over. Lord, add the blessing to the preaching of the word and everything that's said and everything that's done, I pray would bring you the glory. And everyone shouted a great big amen. How many would agree with Pastor Josh that People love to socialize. Come on, do we have anybody in the building that loves to socialize? Come on, guys. How many likes to socialize? Raise your hand. How many likes to eat? Aha. Uh -huh. How many likes to fellowship? How many likes to go to birthday parties and, you know, family reunions? <laughs> How many likes to go to parties? Raise your hand. How many likes to go to a party when you don't have to bring anything? How many is known to re-gift some gifts before you ever got to the party? 
Come on, let's be truthful. Raise your hand. We all love to party. We all like to fellowship. You know, we live in a society where we have parties for everything. We eat for everything. You, just, you ever notice how much we eat? I mean, if there's a wedding, we. If there's a funeral, we. If there's a baby shower, we. If there's a housewarming party, we. I mean, you just name it, we are a socializing group of people. You know, I think we make jokes that Pentecostals love to eat, but I think that's just the human nature. We all like to socialize. We all like to have family time. We all like to invite our friends over. That's just who we are as a people. We were created to socialize. We were created to have fun. You know, um, I, I, I like to socialize, but I think what's more important is what type of party you're going to. You know, there are some bad parties you could go to, and there's some good parties you can go to. And I think that um, we have to distinguish what kind of party you are going to. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'm sure that some of you have probably went to some parties. That probably is not biblical. Would you wink at me? You don't have to raise your hand, just wink at me and say, yeah, maybe one time in my life. But we all like to, we all like to socialize. That, that's just who we are as people. It's, we, we love that. And you know, when you look at the Bible, Jesus, you know, was a socializing guy. He really was. You read the Gospels and Jesus was always eating at somebody's house. You know, he was eating at the Pharisees' house, the Sadducees, the religious leaders would come over. He would eat with tax collectors. Jesus was a socializing person. As a matter of fact, the Bible even tells us in the book of John that Jesus goes to a wedding at Canaan. So, you know, Jesus went to parties. He ate together with, with uh, even tax collectors. He was a socializing guy. There's nothing wrong with that. And there's another party in the Bible that, you know, we don't really speak of it often. And it's this party in uh, Daniel chapter 5. And this was a grand party. This was probably one of the biggest parties recorded in Scripture. In Daniel chapter 5, one of the biggest parties recorded in Scripture. And as you read this story in Daniel chapter 5, it's kind of it's, it's kind of like a big deal here. I mean, it, it's, it's a big, big deal because the king wanted to make, you know, he wanted to impress some folks with all of his splendor, with all of the fortune that he had, with every all the pomp and circumstance, all, everything that he had, he wanted to really make this party a big party. And so we're going to look at this party, and we're going to look at how God came, and he said the party is over. You're going to have to stop this party. So there are several things I want you to see about this party. Number one, I want you to see the ball. The ball. Everybody shout the ball. Now, the king, the Bible says, in Daniel chapter number 5, Daniel chapter number 5, verse number 1, the king's name is Belshazzar, and the Bible says he is throwing a great feast, and he brings out the wine, he brings out the liquor, he, they are going to have a great feast here. And he invites his lords of his kingdom, he invites his wives, his concubines, and they're all coming to the ball, and they're going to have a great time. Now, if you know anything about Belshazzar, Belshazzar is the king here in verse number 1. Belshazzar is the king. His grandfather is Nebuchadnezzar. And I'll explain that in just a moment. But if you'll know anything about Belshazzar, he is the king of Babylon. And Babylon is one of the oldest cities in the world. 
But Babylon was known for many things. Babylon was known for their great library. They were known for their great temples. They were known for their worship of their many gods. They were known for their festivals. They were known for their parties. Because it was known, this, this, this banquet hall, history tells us, was 1,600 feet wide, a mile long, and history tells us that there was over 4,000 pillars in the banquet hall made of elephants, and the table that the king sat at, history tells us that it was made in a huge horseshoe, where the king could sit in the middle and entertain his lords, entertain his concubines, entertain those who he was uh, trying to impress. So this was a big banquet hall. I mean, he really wanted to make an impression on his lords, his wives, his concubines, his friends. He really wanted to make an impression here. He is the king of Babylon. He is the king of, uh, of the, great, the, the, great, the great country, the great uh, Babylon. And, and he, he was going to make an impression that would last even for years. History tells us that this banquet hall was so elaborate that people from miles and miles and miles away from other nations would just come because this banquet was only once a year. And so this king through this great banquet, he's going to make a great impression. Now why is he, uh, why is he having a great banquet? Well, history tells us that one of the reasons that King Belshazzar is having this banquet is because he is celebrating the walls of his kingdom. You see, Babylon had great walls. They didn't have a police force. And so in order for their city to be protected, they had walls to protect their city. And so uh, King uh, Belshazzar had built a 350 feet high wall and 700 feet, feet wide. I mean, this was a huge wall that he had built. And he had built this because he understood that Persia was sending threatening, uh, threatening letters to him. They wanted to overthrow him in his kingdom. And so Belshazzar thought to himself, what I'll do to protect my kingdom from Persia, I'll build these great walls and these walls will protect me from the enemy. And so after the walls were built, he threw this great feast invited his concubines, invited his wives, invited the lords of his kingdom. They all come together, they drank, and they celebrated that he is the king of Babylon and we have walls to protect us from our enemy. Ladies and gentlemen, let me just remind you that the day that you think that you are protected and the day that you think that you need to relax from the enemy is the day that you get in trouble. Did you hear me? The day that you think that you don't need to guard yourself against the enemy, the day that you think that you can just relax and throw a party and you don't need to be concerned about the enemy is the day that you will get in trouble. Because the very moment that he is celebrating, the very moment that he's celebrating with his lords and his wives and his concubines and they're drinking wine, the enemy, who is Persia, is approaching the city. And he's thrown a party. Isn't that just like the modern church? We get lackadaisical in our prayer life. We get lackadaisical in our spiritual disciplines. We get lackadaisical in our church attendance. And we think we're okay and we're protected. And yet the enemy is approaching the gates. The enemy is approaching the gates. And King Belshazzar is drinking up the wine. I mean, they are, their concubines are dancing in front of him. He is celebrating with all of his wives. I mean, this is a drunken orgy. 
And yet he doesn't even realize that Persia is quickly approaching the city. He thinks he's protected. I mean, I got 350 feet high walls, 700 feet wide. I got enough walls to protect me from the enemy. And isn't that what pride does to us? That we think that we're okay, that we can be lackadaisical in our spiritual disciplines, and yet the enemy is approaching the wall. He drinks wine. The Bible says, the Bible says in Numbers, uh, excuse me, Daniel chapter 5, and the Bible says in verse number 3, the Bible says that they, they begin to bring golden vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem. And the king and his lords, his wives, his concubines all begin to drink from him. Not only do you have the ball, not only are they in celebration, but number two, you see the gall of this situation. The gall. You know what? You know, the nerve of this man. The nerve of Belshazzar. Belshazzar got this great idea. Boy, since we're in this great party, since we're in this great celebration, why don't we just get the vessels from the from the temple of Jerusalem, because remember, they invaded Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, and took all the vessels from the temple. They have all the golden vessels, which was used in God's house. He told his lords, why don't you go get those golden vessels that was used in the temple in Jerusalem? Why don't you go get them and let us use them as we participate in our drunken orgy? That's what they did. They got holy things, the gall that this man had, the nerve that this man had to take something that was holy and use it for his selfish benefit. You see, ladies and gentlemen, isn't that what happens to us? That if we don't watch ourselves, if we don't, if we don't uh, watch ourselves, we have the tendency to misuse what is holy and use it as profane. You see, that's what he did. The Bible says in verse number 3 that he went and got the golden vessels from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem, and the king and the lords and the concubines all used it, and they drank from it. He started messing with holy things. And ladies and gentlemen, it's dangerous when we start to mess with things that God calls holy. The nerve that he had. Let me just break it down. Marriage is a holy institution between one man and one woman. And when the church starts messing with something that is holy, that is when we get in trouble. He started messing with holy things, the nerve that he had. You see, you can get so far from God, you can get so caught up in yourself, you can think that you're the only one that's important, that you begin to use holy things for your own benefit isn't that what we do with church sometimes? We use church as our own benefit. It's, it's no longer worship to God. It's the worship of our preferences. It's the worship of our ideas. That's why it's called morning worship. Because we worship God. You see, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said that we have to be careful that we don't worship the experience. We can get so experience-driven that that's not what the Bible teaches. We need to be God-driven, not experience-driven. Can I hear an amen? Now, the experience is good, the experience is great, but it is our love for God 
and not necessarily the experience. So you see the ball. They were going to the ball. Then you see the gall that this man had, the nerve that this man had. This, the nerve that this man had was to take holy things and use it for his selfish benefit. And they were just having a party. And then you go on and you begin to see what else begins to happen in this story. The Bible says not only you see a party, not only do you see the gall, but then you see the wall. Everybody say the wall. You see the ball, you see the gall, and you see the wall. Now, something began to happen here that got this man all upset. Verse number 4, look at it. Daniel chapter 5, verse number 4. They begin to drink the wine. They praise the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Verse number 5. Now, can you imagine? Here is this man drinking the wine. They're all partying it up. The king's sitting there drinking. I mean, they're just in this elaborate ballroom. And all of a sudden... The Bible says in verse number 5, in the same hour, fingers of a man's hand appeared and began to write on the opposite of the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. The king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Now you'll see in verse verse number 25, you'll see what the hand wrote. The hand wrote that there is judgment coming to your house. You have been weighed in the balances, verse number 26 and 27. You have been weighed in the balance and you have been found warning. Your kingdom has been divided and it's going to give it to the Medes and the Persia. You see, so that's, that's the interpretation of it. So the king didn't know what the interpretation was at first. But here is he's sitting at, the, he's sitting at his horseshoe table, drinking his wine. His concubines, his wives, his lords are there. They're having a great time. And all of a sudden, he looks above the lampstand on the plaster of the wall. A hand appears and begins to write on the wall. The Bible says in verse number 5, in that same hour, fingers begin to appear, begin to write on the wall. Verse number 6, guess what happens? Verse number 6, the king's countenance changed. His thoughts begin to trouble him. His joints of his hips were loosened and his knees began to knock together. Now, this was a change in atmosphere right here. This king went from laughing and drinking to knocking. This king went from drinking it up and telling jokes and high-fiving his buddies and giving a fish. that all of a sudden he saw a hand on the side of the wall. I don't know about you, but that probably would freak me out a little bit. Come on, how many would raise your hand? That would freak you out a little bit. And so the hand begins to write, and all of a sudden this king, he begins to get troubled. Now why is he getting troubled, church? Because he knows what he's doing. It's not right. He gets troubled, and his... The hips, his hips begin to get loosened. His knees begin to knock together. I mean, this is a frightening moment for Belshazzar. In other words, he's up against the wall of his life. His back is up against the wall. He can't do anything about it. He's frightened. So you see the ball. You see this great festival that they're having. You see the gall that this man had. He took holy things from the temple and began to use it for his own pleasure. You see the wall of this situation because he's backed up against the wall and there's nothing he can do. He's facing the wall of his life. He built walls around his city, but now 
he's up against the wall. You see the, the ball. You see the gall. You see the wall. You see the call. Call. Because the king gets really nervous. He's frightened. His knees is knocking together. And the Bible says in verse number 7, Daniel 5, 7, the Bible says the king began to cry aloud. He says, I, I need somebody to help me. I want you to go get the astrologers. I want you to get those soothsayers. I want you to get all of them. I want you to bring them here. I need somebody to read to me what is on that wall. And whoever interprets this, I'm going to make him third in my kingdom. I'm going to reward him. And the queen heard that this man was very, very troubled. The Bible says in verse number 10, the queen, because of the words of the king and the lords, came to the banquet hall, and this is what the queen says. The queen says, paraphrasing, I know somebody that could help you. He helped your grandfather, and I know he could help you. And Belshazzar is like, well, you just bring him to me so I can find out if this man can interpret what is on the wall. You see, ladies and gentlemen, there is a great feast. There's a ball here. This king had the gall to use golden vessels that was used in the temple of God, and he used it for his own pleasure. But then you see this man frightened. Even though he built walls around his city, his own back was against the wall, and there's nothing that he could do. Then he began to cry out. He began to call forth for some help. Astrologers, Chaldeans, they couldn't help him. But the queen said, I know somebody that could help you. His name is Daniel. For this man, the Bible says in verse number 12, Daniel 5.12, the queen said, this man has an excellent spirit. This man could interpret your dreams. He can interpret riddles. I know exactly what to do. Let's go get this man to help you. And they begin to call Daniel forward. And when Daniel got there, I love this, in Daniel chapter 5, verse 17, Daniel goes into the presence of the king, and the king says to Daniel, Daniel, if you can interpret what's on the wall, I'll make you third in my kingdom. Give you a put a chain around your neck, give you a purple robe. I, I mean, I will honor you, Daniel, if you could help me out. And the Bible says in Daniel chapter 5, verse 7, that Daniel says to the king, let your gifts be for yourself. I don't want your gifts, king. Because let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, a true man of God cannot be bought by the world. He said, I don't want your, I don't want your gifts. I don't want anything you have to offer. And Daniel stands before Belshazzar and says, but I do want to tell you something, king. Before I interpret what's on the wall, I want to tell you something. So can you imagine the king sitting on his throne in suspense as he leans up on the chair of his throne? And here is Daniel standing before him saying, I don't want your gifts. I will tell you what the handwriting on the wall means, but you're going to have to listen to me first. Daniel says to him, in verse number 18, he says, O king, listen to Daniel as he tells 
the king this. He says, O king, the Most High God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father, which was his grandfather. So his grandfather, he was saying, do you remember your grandfather Nebuchadnezzar? He had a kingdom of glory and honor. He says in verse number 19, because of the majesty that God gave him, all the people's nation's language trembled and feared before him. And whomever he wished, he executed. Whoever he wished, he kept alive. Whoever he wished, he set up. Whoever he wished, he put down. Verse 20, look at it. Daniel 5, verse 20. But his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hearted in pride. And he was disposed from this kingdom, his kingly throne, and it was the glory was taken from him. Verse 21. Then he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like the beast. And his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They fed him with grass like oxen. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew that the Most High God rules in heaven and rules the kingdom of men and appoints over whomever he chooses. Verse 22, But you, his son Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew this. I'll tell you what, that was a sermon that day. As the king, sitting on his throne, in suspense, leans up and listens to Daniel. Daniel said, I don't want your gifts. I don't want your rings. I don't want your robe. I don't want to be third in the kingdom. I don't want your women. I don't want your concubines. I've come to declare a word to you. You're doing the same thing that your grandfather did. God honored your grandfather. God gave your grandfather wisdom and honor and glory. Gave him the kingdom. Your grandfather was so powerful that he put down and he raised up whoever he wanted and all the kingdom honored him and feared him but his heart was lifted up in pride, and because he would not submit and honor the true God, God brought him down like the beast of the field and made him eat grass, and you, Belshazzar, are doing the same thing. You, Belshazzar, are walking in the same steps as your grandfather. You, Belshazzar, are lifting up your heart just like your grandfather did. You're making the same mistake. Oh, yeah, you had the big ball, didn't you? You built your walls. Did you not, Belshazzar? Oh, you had all the women and the sex that you could ever dream of, and you had all the liquor and the wine you could ever want. Oh, you made an impression, but your life is in the balance tonight, and your back is against the wall. you got to wake up, Belshazzar. You're walking in the same footsteps that your grandfather walked in. Ladies and gentlemen, how many of us make the same mistakes that our parents have made and our ancestors have made? When, when, when does it ever occur to us that the devil is playing the same tricks for thousands of years? He has nothing new, just different faces. There is nothing new under the sun. There comes a time in our life that we just wake up and realize that the devil plays the same tricks over and over and over and over and over. And you know what the problem of the human heart is? It's been like that since the Garden of Eden. It's pride. 
Nebuchadnezzar lifted up his heart in pride and thought it was all for his glory. Belshazzar was walking in his same footsteps and he thought it was for his glory. And let me tell you something. When it comes to pride, there is no negotiation with God. He alone is God. He gets the glory. He gets the honor. He gets all the majesty and not us. God doesn't tolerate pride and arrogance too well. He said, Daniel chapter 5, verse 23, he looks at Belshazzar and he says, You have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven and you have brought the vessels of his house before you, you and your lords, your wives, your concubines, you've drank from them the gall that you had, king. The nerve that you had, king. Taking something that is holy and using it your prideful, arrogance, selfish ways. He said, you brought the vessels and you have praised the gods of silver. You have praised the gods of gold. You have praised the gods of wood and stone which do not see and they do not hear. And the God who holds your breath in His hand and owns all your ways you have not glorified. Well, I tell you what, church, that's a piercing word right there. Daniel is standing before Belshazzar and says, you have worshipped your gods of wood and stone and silver and gold and those gods don't even see you. Those gods don't even hear you. And you have failed to realize that the God that holds your breath, He is the true God. And you have failed to realize that. Because isn't that what arrogance does? Isn't that what pride does? Pride thinks that we can make it all by ourselves. Pride tells you, you can resist sin all by yourself. You're strong enough. Pride tells you, you don't need to read the Bible. You don't need to pray. You don't need to fast. You don't need to develop spiritual disciplines. You've made it this far without it. That's why prayer is the most powerful weapon you can ever engage in. Because prayer is the reversal of pride. God already knows what you have need of. He wants you to resist your prideful spirit and submit yourself and ask for help. That's humility. Says you king. Kingdom is going to be required of you. You're doing the same thing that your father did. You have praised the gods of gold, bronze, and iron, wood, and stone. They don't even hear you. They don't even see you. And the very God that holds your breath, you have not glorified. The very God that holds your breath, you have not glorified. Isn't that interesting, church? That in the middle of the party, God got a hold of the king. In the middle of the party, God got a hold of the king. God has a way of getting our attention 
when we get off course. The fingers, verse 24, then the fingers of the hand who sent from him. And this writing was written. This is the inscription that was written. Mina, mina, techno, a parson. This is the interpretation of each word. Mina, God has numbered your kingdom and he's finished it. So it's interesting that Daniel said, I don't want your gifts. I'm going to tell you what you're doing, king. You're following your grandfather. You're acting just like him. God's going to humble you just like he did your grandfather. And the writing on the wall, this is the interpretation of it. Mina, God has numbered your kingdom, and today it's finished, king. It's come to an end. The party is over. There is fun in sin for a season, but it comes to an end. The party comes to an end. The days of sinning is numbered. God calls your number. It's over. Your kingdom is being required of you tonight, king. It goes on. You have weighed, you've been weighed in the balances, you've been found warning. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command. He clothed Daniel anyway, put purple on him, put a chain of gold around his neck, made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. Verse 30, but that very night, Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, was slain. So, you have the ball. You have a celebration. You have a great feast. You have a king who has erected walls around his kingdom. And one night he called a celebration to celebrate his achievement. To celebrate what he has done. To celebrate the glory of his kingdom. To celebrate the majesty of the work of his own hands. Bring the women. Bring the wine. Let's throw a party. But this man had the gall. He had the nerve to take holy things that was used in the house of God and used it for his party. Because that's what happens when you stray from God. You don't deem anything holy anymore. Nothing sacred anymore. Nothing has value anymore. The gall that this man had. The ball. The gall. Then you see the wall. This man saw the writing on the wall. But he didn't realize his back was against the wall. There was nothing he could do. His days was numbered. You see the ball, the gall, the, the wall. But then you see the call. He says, I need help. I need somebody to interpret what this is on the wall. The astrologers couldn't help him. But the queen said, I know somebody 
His name is Daniel. He'll be able to interpret it. And let me say this and let me say loud and clear that you may be in secret right now and you may not really be used to your full potential, but I promise you that if you continue to be faithful to God, God will promote you at due time and somebody will bring you before kings. You've got to be faithful where you're planted. Daniel was faithful and all of a sudden, the queen brought him before the king. He and he said, I don't want your gifts. You don't have to give me gifts. You can't, you can't buy me. He says, but I will tell you what you're doing. You're doing the same thing your f- grandfather did. You're acting just like him. You are prideful and arrogant and self-seated and walking in his footsteps. You're praising the gods of wood, stone, silver and gold. They can't even hear you, king. And you failed to realize and honor the true God that holds your breath. Not only do you see the ball, not only do you see the call, you see the wall, you see the call, but you see the fall. This is verse number 30. The Bible says, that night, Belshazzar, he was slain. He died. Because that's what pride will do to you. Pride will kill you in the end. It will kill your marriage. It will kill relationships. It will kill a church. It will kill community. When we take the glory for ourselves, instead of acknowledging that it is God and God alone. The party was over that night because he failed to realize the glory belonged to God and God alone. In closing, I love that phrase. He said, You have praised the gods of gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. They can't hear you. They can't hear you. They can't help you. They can't assist you. He says, but there is one God that you failed to realize and He holds your breath and you have failed to realize Him. Paul said that it is in Him that we move. It is in Him that we have our being and it is in Him that we have our breath. Ladies and gentlemen, let us lay aside the garments of arrogance and pride and selfishness and let's honor God who is the creator of heaven and earth. Let us honor God who has and gives us breath. Let us honor God who is the sustainer and provider and protector of all things. Let us honor God who rules the nations with a scepter and sits on the throne, the heaven in His throne and the earth is His footstool. Let's honor that God tonight for there is only one and true and living God who reigns in heaven and earth. He deserves all the glory. He deserves all the honor. He deserves all the majesty. And forgive us for ever thinking that it's about us or about our glory or about our story. It's about His story and His glory in the end. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Amen. God is good. All the time, God is good. Let's stand to our feet.
Amen. Give God praise throughout the building today. Amen. Come on, let's give God praise. Hallelujah. Can, can we just do that one more time? I just preached until I broke a sweat. I think you could probably exert a little bit more energy. The gods of wood, iron, bronze, gold does not hear us. But there is one God that holds our breath and He hears us. And He deserves the glory. He deserves the praise. He deserves the honor. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. I said put your hands together and honor this God today. Come on, honor this God today. He's worthy. I said he's worthy. Come on, put your hands together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now we're going to do it one more time. I don't understand why we're not participating. I want everybody in this building to participate. Put your hands together. You've got enough energy in your body to praise the God. Hallelujah. Put, put a little energy into it this morning. Put your hands together and honor the true God today. Hallelujah. 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 I said he's worthy. I said he's worthy. He's worthy of all glory. He's worthy of all honor. And with every breath that's within me, I'll praise you. Because it ain't about me. It's not about my glory. It's about you and your glory. I'm going to give it all to you today. Hallelujah. Comes a time in your life where there's something on the inside of you that wants to praise God. That wants to honor God. Hallelujah. This little Mickey Mouse praising God is for the birds. Hallelujah. Some of us put more energy on Facebook complaining than we do lifting our mouth on Sunday morning worshiping God. I'm just not that way, Pastor. I'm just not. Well, you need to get that way and open your mouth and glorify God. It's impossible to read the Scriptures. Impossible to read it and not see that, love, that praise is some sort of action. Very hard to read it and not see that. Hallelujah. And sometimes we can get so familiar with the presence of God, so familiar with church services, that we don't really realize that why are we here? Why do we sing? Why do we give? Because we acknowledge God is not an egotistical, narcissist God who sits on the throne with a white beard and a cane, hoping every day, looking at text messages and Facebook, hoping that you would give God the glory and the honor. God is not egotistical. He doesn't need your praise. He's not insecure. Church is not lottery. It's not like you come to church and put your few cents of praise in and you, okay, I praise God today. Let's see if I get anything back. Well, that didn't work, so I think I'm going to do what the preacher said. I'm going to put some more praise coins in there. So I'll put some more praise coins, and let's see if I get blessed today. It ain't about you getting blessed. 
It ain't about you coming doing this every Sunday. It's about you acknowledging that he is God and ain't nobody has ever been like him before and nobody will ever come after him. There is only but one God. He deserves all praise. He deserves all glory. He deserves all honor. It's not about me. It's not what the songs I want. It's not whether I like the church service or not. It's if God likes the church service. Does God like this church service? It's not about if you like it. I don't like the music. It's not about whether you like it. Belshazzar, listen to me. It's not for your kingdom. It's not for your glory. The handwriting's on the wall. And the moment you think it's about you, your kingdom and your life will fall apart. It's not about that. It's about His glory and honor. Hallelujah. I thought I just preached a few moments ago, but sometimes it just gets on me. Is that all right? We have to realize that worship is not what we do on Sunday morning, it's a lifestyle. Hallelujah. Amen. I said, Amen. I don't care whether you raise your hands or lift your voice, but do something. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. God is good, isn't he? Well, praise God. I said, praise God. I'm going to praise him if I'm sick. I'm going to praise him if I'm well. I'll praise him when I'm poor. I'll praise him when I'm having a bad day. Because it ain't about me. It's about him. In the moment, the moment we come to church and say, I don't want to praise God. I don't want to participate. You have made it about you. But the moment you come to church and say, in spite of how I feel, or whether I had a bad day, or whether I have money to pay my bills or not, that doesn't negate the fact that there is one God, and he deserves all worship and all praise in spite of how I feel. You see, and... We ourselves have become narcissists and egotistical. We want to be honest about it. Because we've made worship about us. All about us. People will get in fights in churches because of worship. Listen, the word devil, diablos, the Greek word is to, one of them is to scatter. Because anytime people are scattered, that's not the work of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost gathers, not scatters. Do you hear me? So when the church is scattered and there's, there's division, that's a work of the demonic spirit. But the moment we can come together and gather in spite of our preferences and differences, that means the Holy Ghost is at work because love is in the building and we are preferring our neighbor above ourselves, and we know the work of the Holy Ghost is among us. But the moment it scatters us because we have made our preferences gods and our ideas gods and we are scattered because of that, that's the work of the devil. But the moment we can come together and gather under one roof in spite of our preferences and ideas and what we like and how we think it should be done, then that means the work of the Holy Spirit is among us because we are preferring one another 
instead of ourself. It's called the law of love. You need to go to church with people that get on your nerves. You need to go to church who is different from you because that is what the Holy Spirit uses to sanctify you. If you went to church with everybody that thought like you and had the same preferences as you, then what would the Holy Spirit use as sandpaper to get you more holy? The work of the Holy Spirit is to gather. The work of the devil is to scatter. Amen. Amen.